0: Welcome to the Pure Fitball Podcast, unbiased, in depth Scottish. My name is Owen Brown, and this podcast is the audio version of a Twitch live stream discussing the soon to be announced Scotland squad for this month's World Cup qualification triple header. this again. again. <laughs> Lightning twice. Good play by Gemland And again. Three a- one. James McBannon scores for Scotland. France are stunned and Scotland lead in Paris. To kind of set the scene a wee bit, we're here, of course, to discuss the Scotland squad, which we expect to be announced tomorrow, which is Tuesday, the 16th of March. And this is the squad for our World Cup qualification group ties against Austria, Israel and the Faroe Islands. Yes, these are not just friendlies in preparation for the Euros. These are actual um, important qualifiers in and of themselves. So, like I said, we've collated a bunch of questions via the kind of crowdsourcing wonders of Twitter, And the first question I've got for you, Gavin, it's one that takes us back in time a little bit. Um, It's from tactical and video analyst, Carlin Carpenter, who is an absolute must-follow on Twitter. Uh, He's the the handle of at C underscore Carpenter 14. And, Gavin, he said, and I want to hear any answers from people in the chat as well for this, please. If you could have three players, any three Scottish players, from the past 15 years but they're not currently players that are playing internationally anymore. They're retired. But you can put those three players into the current squad. Who are you picking?
1: Yeah. Uh, so my name's first of all, it's a fairly obvious one for anyone uh, that's Scottish or watch Scottish football. Uh, James McFadden. I think the moments of magic that he can deliver. Um, and, you know, you know, we don't have a lot of actual top-level quality, so I'd take McFadden in. Uh, I can see that Kyle Lemons said it as well. I would take Alan Hutton because we don't actually have a a defined right back that I would be comfortable sticking with. Um, So, yeah, I would agree with Kyle on that one. And my last one uh, was actually Alan McGregor. If I could take Alan McGregor out of retirement because he is a top-level goalkeeper, and we've seen that uh, last week uh, as Rangers, you know, um, played Slavia Prague, that save that was just incredible, the fact that he's still got that. So, yeah, I would go Alan McGregor um, to, to secure that goalkeeping spot. I know David Marshall can boogie, but Greaves can get on it like nobody else, so fair play to him. Um, But yeah, what
0: would be be your shouts, mate? Would McGregor displace Marshall for you at this point? Categorically, yes. Even with the penalty save and everything, that's ridiculous. Absolutely not. Um, That's that's just one moment though, right? That's just hmm. one thing that's happened. I wouldn't say that he's a better keeper overall. No, I wouldn't either, but I think Marshall's done enough to keep the number one jersey unless something goes really wrong. Um, I, I don't know. McGregor's a good shout, but for for that reason, the fact that you've got Marshall in, you've got somebody that's capable. He wasn't really who I thought of as an option. Um, I totally agree with Kyle M. Um, two three seven. Alan Hutton definitely right back as a or right wing back, even as a position. That I guess we'll come on to talk a wee bit about. On tonight's podcast, then Hutton would be great, wouldn't he be absolutely ideal? Um and I agree with you and um some other people in the chat as well about James McFadden. So Greg the well fan, has said McFadden as well. I just think that in a system that Clark's playing, uh, this kind of three, four, two, one, he would be really nice um, off a of front man, I think. Um and yeah, Felix has said that James McFadden at Goodest in, in full flight was a beauty at times. So sadly, those times didn't come often enough. Yeah, agreed, Felix. Um, and Grant has said Hutton, Darren Fletcher, due to our lack of right-footed central midfielders, and Kenny Miller. I think those are all really good shouts. For me, it was um, Hutton, McFadden and Scott Brown. Um because I felt similarly that we lacked right-footed central midfielders, but also kind of fancied having somebody a little bit more competitive in there as well. Um, maybe, you know, as a uh, similar to the role Ryan Jack plays, I guess. Um, so that, that that was my shout. And in terms, I was thinking about centre forwards as well. Kenny Miller, Chris Boyd, I guess, would maybe have one we could have snuck in too. But I, I just feel with the system that Clark plays, um probably they wouldn't be a, a a great fit as a nine. Um, but anyway, I, I like all those shouts. If anybody else is getting any more, then keep on coming. Good question um, to to look back and uh, despair a little bit about the fact that <laughs> we don't have um, some players that we don't have now. But let's move on, right? So um, the squad, of course, like we said, is going to be announced tomorrow, um, playing a, 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 at this moment in time probably a depleted Austria, given the rulings that have meant that they probably can't play their players that are um, at clubs in Germany, which is a huge portion of the kind of better um, or or kind of more integral uh, members of their squad. Uh, We've also got our our old friends Israel and, of course, the Fairwells. And I think a lot of the interest, a lot of the kind of questions we've had on social media, Gavin, were related to who should be in or out of the squad. So again, we're very keen for any comments and questions and suggestions live from the chat box about that. And, and do hit follow and indeed subscribe if you haven't yet. But let's sort of start with some Twitter replies we got um, and start from the kind of back of the team. So we, we got a comment, uh, Gavin, from the MFC podcast, which can be found at the handle MFC Podcast eighty six it'll be no surprise um, if I reveal that MFC stands for Motherwell Football Club, given that our question is would it be just reward for Liam Kelly to be named in the squad? He's been unreal since coming to Fir Park. So I guess let, let's open it out a wee bit though, Gavin, and say which goalkeepers would you have in this squad tomorrow?
1: Yeah, I, I would agree that uh, with Andy that Liam Kelly deserves to be in the squad. Um, I think the, the news is that David Marshall is, is likely to miss it through injury. Um, so Yeah, I would have Liam Kelly called up. I think he has been really solid for Motherwell. I think he's, you know, before he went down to QPR and had that, uh, I guess, in and out of the team, uh, I think he was doing really well for Livingston. Um, So, yeah, Liam Kelly would be in for me. I think, albeit John McLaughlin isn't playing week in, week out for Rangers, I think he's very reliable, uh, good experience, and someone I think deserves to be in the squad again with the premise that um, Marshall is out. And against my better judgment, and this is maybe more of a reality um, rather than what I would like, uh, Craig Gordon will be in the squad, um, especially if Marshall's out. There's no way that he's not in it if Marshall's out because Mm. uh, I don't see Steve Clark not having that level of experience in the goal. And Craig Gordon probably starts if Marshall's out, which, again, disappoints me personally, but um, I can understand the reasoning behind it. What about you? Would you have anyone different?
0: Well... Um, I saw that um, Marshall was on the bench at weekend. I know he's been out due to injury, but he is back, you know, in the fold and, and was on the bench. So I would hope, maybe you know better than me, but I would hope that he makes it into the squad. The thing I was thinking about was, um, and, and we're hearing kind of rumours for and against this, but I was hoping that it might be quite a large squad um, tomorrow. Um, generally, I really like the fact that Clark keeps the pool of players tight. I think that's been an issue for Scotland in the past. You know, kind of handing out loads of caps all over the place and not kind of getting that club feel. But I think for given it's a triple header, um, it it would be maybe advantageous to go for a 30-man squad. And I was thinking that it might be nice to have four goalkeepers in that 30-man squad. And if I was going to do that, I would name the same guys as you, Marshall, Gordon, McLaughlin and Kelly. Um, And my thinking was that... um, Marshall's the number one, dead on, absolutely sir. But I think you need to be ready for the possibility of injuries, given that two of those four guys are quite old, um, which is why I would want to kind of four around. I think that I really like McLaughlin. And I think obviously the easy thing you could say is that he's not playing at the moment, therefore he kind of needs to um, you know, watch for his position. But it's a kind of different story with a goalkeeper. You know, it's very difficult to be able to get back into a team, particularly if you've got somebody like McGregor in front of you. Um, as a goalkeeper, it's a lot different to being, you know, say a midfielder and being unable to get in your club side. What, what does McLaughlin do about it? Given where we are in the season, you know, it's not realistic for him to be challenging that too much. So um, that that was why I was thinking I would want all of those guys around because they're all potentially people that I'd want um, in contention for the Euros. So that'd be my ideal for those four. If we're saying that it's only three spots, then probably I say that Kelly misses out. Um, just to have that level of experience and, and you know, have um, I, I don't want these games to be treated as preparation purely for the Euros, but I, I do you know, not want to get to the point, let's say Marshall can't play in these triple header I'd maybe want McLaughlin to get some Scotland experience, so that's my kind of thinking um, in terms of keepers Anybody in the chat want to chime in? Apart from other old fans, I know I'm gonna, are, are no doubt <laughs> going to be naturally and deservedly so big enough uh, Liam Kelly, who has been Really good for them since he came up. I'm I'm really, really delighted that he's back playing kind of regular football and then doing it for Motherwell and what was obviously a position that took them what five or six goals to actually sort this season before they've landed on somebody that's capable. Um mm-hmm. let's see, any any chat? Yeah, Reese just saying, the, oh, sorry, Rue, Andrew, hi, good to see you, Andrew. And also Reese saying, love the the top, yeah. Uh Stellar Kits was the website I got this from. Uh it's a Scotland training top from the mid uh 90s um felix has said shame jordan archer isn't getting minutes think he's a nice option yeah potentially and i think gavin as well you were sharing some footage with me earlier of craig McGilvery, so there there are some other options um but i think we'd probably be happy with those four at the moment um let's move forward a wee bit i mean literally um so (laughs) we're we're gonna um kind of go from back to front here but We've got this question here, which is partly um, about Scott McTominay, but let's try and start off with a central defensive aspect of it, Gavin. So this is a a question from David Weatherston on Twitter. His handle is at dweatherston11. And he said, how do we get McTominay into midfield as an eight? I know we got through with him playing in the back three, but he didn't look too good there. Are there three central defenders we can rely on? So, Gavin, I guess what I would say is... Um, Given that we would expect that Clark sticks with a system that he's playing, um, which you know requires three centre-backs, do we have the number of centre-backs needed to play this system? Mm-hmm. And are there any ones you particularly like or don't like? What's your thinking?
1: Yeah, so uh, I, I like Liam Cooper. I like Scott McKenna, Declan Gallagher. They they all do it for me. I'm, I'm a fan of all three of those guys. Um, I think McKenna, I think we've seen them captain nottingham forest recently um i know they've been a bit up and down in terms of their actual performance but i don't know how much you can just put that down to to scott mckenna um really like liam cooper and i, I think it's just a shame that we haven't had a little bit more from him uh same with declan Gallagher. i love him from the sort of set piece angle really helps us in terms of an attacking sense and the defending sense in terms of depth i've got a couple of options that i i, I think you know it probably won't happen because the news is that a, there's only really going to be one uh, new new face in the squad. So these guys probably aren't going to be in there. Um, but I thought I'd give a shout out to Jack Henry. I think he's having an amazing season uh, at Ostendi. And for anyone in the chat or anyone watching or even listening back, uh, Byron Hutchison, who who helps us with the European stuff, has, has followed Henry a lot this season, has been a big advocate of his performances. Um, so make sure you check out uh, Byron, who's uh, football from afar, uh, website, and you can get him on Twitter, just at Byron Hutchison. Um, but the, the depth options for me were, um, if it was friendlies and we had the opportunity to test out a few players, um, I think Jason Kerr has had an incredible season for St Johnston. He's really assured on the ball, he's comfortable stepping out, plays in the back three, so ticks quite a lot of boxes from us from the starting point. But defensively, he's actually above the league average for competing for aerial and defensive duels and above league average for winning both those types of duels. So uh, just to advocate that he is actually a a good defender as well. Um, And my my wild card, and going back to my roots, uh, bringing Liam Lindsay out of cold storage, and he's been playing for Preston, um, moved there in January. He's not quite had a lot of minutes. I think he was just about 400 now since moving in at the end of the January window but he's actually having a bit of a resurgence. I think he's got more interceptions per 90 minutes than any other centre-back in um, the EFL Championship. So limited window size, but again, it was based on a little bit of if we could play about a little bit and and see what people had, whether they were good enough. I think Henry, Kerr, Lindsay are all around about the sort of 24, 25 age mark. So it'd be nice to see how these people could do. Um, I feel like we don't have... A great deal of options so uh, I wouldn't be opposed to maybe trying to bleed in one or two and I would be keen to hear about uh, what anyone else in the chat would say about that or uh, any of your thoughts on my wild cards for Jason Kerr
0: or Liam Lindsay? Um, I've got a couple of different wild cards so I guess we'll we'll run through things but I want to just have a quick glance at the chat here so let's see yeah Yeah. so we've got some mention about uh, Grant Hanley so uh, Grant, um, is this just bias for your namesake? Um, <laughs> saying Hanley's having an unreal season. Um, and we JD is saying Hanley's playing in the back four, though, isn't he? Um, and is saying just the name Grant Hanley gives me the fear, haha. <laughs> um, but Jen, is saying that um, Hanley's been unfortunate for Scotland with injuries, which is correct, and that um, the majority of his prior issues were down to system issues. With uh, Strachan, where he was constantly left exposed. Um, I, I'm very open today to the idea of Grant Hanley, actually. Um, I surprised myself a little bit today um, <laughs> on that note. I had a bit of a watch of things and I read about stuff. And um, I, I think that, well, just some basic detail for Hanley is that since mid October, he's played every single minute of Norwich's league games as captain. Um, they're 10 points clear in the championship. They've won their last eight games in a row, conceding only three goals. I know that's just information. Somebody can play every minute every game and be fucking shite. But um <laughs> <laughs> I did watch and, and it, it looks good to me. Um and he's playing for a manager um in a style of football that I think is pretty progressive. I think you'll be learning good things. Um so I'm 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 in Camp Hanley, um, surprised myself a bit by that, and I'd be quite open to have I'm in, um a call back into the the squad. Um, in terms of other centre backs, so let, let's run through a few people. Um, I think Kieran Tierney will probably be earmarked generally for the Euros at least, and probably most of his triple header as being a left sided centre back. Um, we'll see what happens in practice. Andy Robertson has played almost every minute as well in the league for Liverpool. I have a feeling that he'll end up dropping out of these um, World Cup qualifiers or at least um, not playing in two of them. So it'll be interesting to see if Tierney gets a shot at left wing-back. But anyway, let's pencil him in as one of the centre-back options. Um, And then I think Liam Cooper. i have not... I don't know. I keep feeling, do I overrate Liam Cooper just on the basis that he works with Marcelo Bielsa? Um But th- there is something I like about him. Um, so I'm, I'm still fully with him in um, terms of other people, um, so we've got Declan Gallagher who's back fit now. Um, I watched him stream Call of Duty yesterday a wee bit and he said that he's expecting a call um and um you know really, really hopes to be involved. Uh, he said he's fit. Um he's he's only played a, a few minutes for Motherwell um since his comeback off the bench and so on, but you know, he should be an integral kind of part of the team. Um Hanley mentioned in terms of the other kind of wild cards, like, let's run through. So you said Jason Kerr, right? And what was your other one? Jack Henry, yeah? Uh, and Liam Lindsay, yeah. And Liam Lindsay, okay. So Jack <laughs> Henry, I'm, I'm I'm very interested in. Um, I think he's played really well for us From all that Byron said, I mean, we must get propaganda and WhatsApp via via Byron every two days about how uh, Jack <laughs> Henry's getting on, which is fair and welcomed. Um, It sounds like he's playing well. He's playing in the back three often. He's turned into a real leader. Um, I think Reese was saying earlier that he'd seen that he was linked to Aston Villa. Yeah, we saw all sorts of preposterous newspaper headlines about £10 million bids and so on. But anyway, Ostend are a progressive club. They've got good people working in recruitment there. So, you know, they they obviously see good things in him and he's done really well. So I I would certainly be interested in having him around for one of these games. The other people I was kind of intrigued by, um, so Scott McKenna, we spoke about. He's been out injured for a while, but he came back in captain Nottingham Forest at the weekend there. So I, I wouldn't discount him from things at all. Um, the, the the one other person I'm really interested in is Tom McIntyre. So Tom McIntyre at Reading, um, he's, I've watched him play for Scotland under-21s. He's played a lot of minutes for Reading this season and has done really well. He's pretty versatile positionally, so he can play a little bit in defensive midfield potentially as well, which might be an interesting thing to have. So these, these are people that I'd be interested in as well. Um yeah, um I I guess let's let's have a look at some of the chat comments. So we've got more talk of Hanley there. Reese has said a reservation with Hanley and Cooper is the completely different systems. Both playing a high line, high pressing club side, are those performances necessarily likely to carry over? I think that's a fair point, Reese. Um, but I, I I would imagine that or well, you would hope, although it's a limited period of time, if there is maybe a, a national team manager that we would have who could coach to play in his system better than ones that we maybe recently have, it, it would be Steve Clark, right? So I, I wouldn't want to discount somebody just for that. Um WeJD said that Nottingham Forest fans seem to be delighted that McKenna is back at the weekend was captain already. Um, is that more of a comment on their other defenders rather than the quality of Scott McKenna? Don't know, but anyway, it's good to hear. Um, and Come On The Rocks <laughs> who said, Grant Hanley could have the grace of Beckenbauer the poise of Van Dyke and give me twenty quid a day for every day for a year. I'd still get a fear seeing him on the ball in a Scotland shirt. <laughs> it's a redemption story, though, right? This is an opportunity to um, have him, um, you know, um, uh, have some sort of comeback story and prove that he actually can do it. Um, got a mention of David Bates. Uh, I'm not sure it's the right time for him, really. We've got a mention for Jamie McCart. Um, uh, Gavin and I are both fans of Jamie McCart, I think, particularly at times on the ball. But it's been some times this season for me where I think 1v1 he's been caught out a little bit. I'm not too sure he's quite ready for McCart. Um, again, the thing I would also want to say here is this is a lot of fun, uh, this speculation, talking about who should be in, who shouldn't be my view generally is to not have too much change. Um, I mean, you'll note that the Serbia game, you know, obviously the, the Serbia game, and then the game against Israel, which is the last international team that we played, Clark picked the same 11. You know, I don't think there's going to be a huge amount of variation tomorrow, and I'm kind of a fan of that. So, you know, all, all these extra names, we can debate them, but, um, you know, and it's great as... Grant points out here, to keep an open mind about players not get trapped into a prior definition. People can change. So, yeah, I'd welcome all of the chat about who should be in or out, but I, I, in general terms, wouldn't want too much upheaval. Anything you want to go in with there, Gavin?
1: No, I, I think that's that's probably a, a pretty good coverage of the centre-back situation, and, and it's good to see a lot of people in the chat uh, giving us their sort of opinions. Um, so, yeah, I'm pretty happy with uh, our centre-back
0: coverage okay let's move forward a wee bit right so um lewis laird had a question so lewis is the handle on twitter of lewis laird zero one um i guess this comes back into what we were just talking about so he said is it worth calling up players like jack henry to give them a chance and experiment a little with the squad ahead of the euro's or is it too much of a risk and we don't want to overlook these World Cup qualifying games? And I guess tying into that with Lewis's question, um, is there a risk that too much of the thought process around the squad might be about the Euros rather than actually getting results in these matches, Gavin? Potentially, yeah, I think it's, a, it's definitely a danger. Um,
1: there's nothing to say, though, that you can't have a bit of both, though, right? You can't uh, be preparing for the Euros but also setting out teams to win games by not having a huge amount of turnover in the squad. So whilst it's extremely boring, forward slash pragmatic, uh, I understand the approach to to not having wholesale changes and not throwing out caps left, right and centre. I do, I do understand that um, from that perspective. Hmm. Okay, what about you? yeah, you, I, I think
0: you? that's fair. I, I think that Clark won't want to just treat these games as pre-Euro's friendlies, I'm sure of that. But I think it's daft to think that it won't in some way affect his thinking. Um, you know, the Euros are going to be the defining moment of his career. So it is maybe going to play into the selection um, a wee bit for these things. Um, again, it'd be interesting to see if he names a slightly larger squad, um, given a triple header. I was kind of hoping that it might get towards the the 30 people without giving up um, caps unnecessarily. Uh, the other thing that plays into it for me is the, the actual fixtures themselves. And which one comes when. So, you know, I was thinking that he might want to um probably use the first team lineup versus Austria. But then does the fact that they're going to have a depleted squad because of the German rules change that? Um, and then he probably also want to have a first team lineup or as close to it as possible versus Israel. But those two games are very close together, you know, with traveling between there Thursday and then Sunday. But then if you're only kind of rotating things versus the Faroe Isles. How much do you really learn about new people that you're trying out against the Faroe Isles, you know? Um, the the Faroe Isles, yeah, in the Nations League, they topped their group of Malta, Latvia and Andorra, but, you know, still they, they are just the Faroe Isles, you know? So I don't know. I think that makes it difficult in terms of how you approach these things and how much you actually get to learn about people and, and so on. But anyway, we'll, we'll see that tomorrow. Um Moving forward from that one from Lewis, let's let's talk about the wingback role, Gavin. Um, so we've got a comment from uh, Peter Brailsford at Pedro Blue One saying, um, and the colour is a giveaway here. Uh, Sean Rooney, please, even for the goal threat we crave, biased I know. But I would love one of the St Johnston back three to get a squad chance too. So yeah, we've got Peter there saying Sean Rooney in for goal threat. There's been mentions of Chris Cadden and Nathan Patterson, and then of course we've got you know Stephen O'Donnell and Liam Palmer and Andy Robertson and Greg Taylor. Um, any thoughts on wing back Gavin? Maybe particularly that right sided um, one.
1: Yeah, uh, I would agree with Peter. I, I would really like Sean Rooney in the squad for the versatility that he gives, so he can play. Uh, right-sided centre-back in a three or he can play the right wing-back role as he's done for St Johnston. I think we've seen against Livingston in the cup final he's a very powerful and direct runner um, which causes problems for opponents he's not the most technical in terms of his dribbling or or crossing but I'm not necessarily sure that's what you're going to be looking to do from him I think probably more of that would come from down the left Um, so, so yeah I think that Rooney then coming in at the back post because he has an excellent uh, you know, uh, connection with his headers. I think he's a, a really good goal threat. As Pierre mentioned, he's six foot two. He's scored a few goals this season. Uh, but also I was thinking about when it comes to a tournament, right, you've got uh, probably a lot of focus on the marginal gains, such as the set pieces. And I think Sean Rooney in both our box and the opposition box could be, Really useful. Um, As I mentioned, he's six foot two. He's a big lad. Um, He's got power, he's got energy. I would be absolutely up for having him, especially over the likes of Liam Palmer. I really can't put into words um, how poor a season Palmer has had. Um, He's really struggled. When you look at the data, he doesn't particularly excel in any area. I'm not too sure that I'm wanting a player that's 29 on the end of their career, not playing well in the squad for the most important uh tournament we've had in twenty plus years. Especially, you know, if you are going to it's probably likely O'Donnell comes into the squad, but I would be I would be comfortable with, with Sean Running in that position. It's too soon for Nathan Patterson, as good as he's been. Um you know he's only played what, five or six games at senior level. Uh I know it's he's a player to get excited about, but uh yeah it's just a little bit too early for me. Um would you
0: agree, disagree?
1: What would be your thoughts on?
0: Um I disagree on Sean Rooney. Um so I, I think this comes back to the tendency people have of overrating people based on goals, particularly defenders. Um I, I understand what you're saying, Gavin, that you know it's the height and it'd be a weapon at set pieces and getting on the back post and so on, but I just think when you think about the what you really need from your wing backs in the game that Scotland play. Um, I, I think again this just goes back to people overrating defenders on the basis of them scoring a goal um, and yeah um, I haven't seen enough of Liam Palmer to be able to say confidently one way or another about him but um, a bit sceptical just saying well the data doesn't look great um, you know and, and I think that would you say that you've been it, impressed when you've seen him play for Scotland because I haven't not hugely but yeah um, I wouldn't have him as a starter, that's fair. I'm I, I open to a couple other people maybe getting a shot in that position. I do accept that it's a, a difficult position for us um, where there's not necessarily an out-and-out favourite um, you know, favorite, um, and all the people that have available that our possibilities are a little bit flawed, but I, I just... Yeah, I think you and I differ quite a lot about our assessment of Sean Rooney as a player, basically, Um, and I I don't feel the same way about him. I I accept that he's had a good season for St Johnston fans. That must feel incredibly good, particularly after losing Danny McNamara and so on, but um, I I don't think that he's a a candidate for me. Um, In terms of the other options, um, Nathan Patterson got a question from Come On The Rocks. Is Patterson good enough or are we just desperate for a right-back that isn't actually a left-back? Um, yeah, fair question on the rocks. I like Patterson, but you know, most people know that I'm probably a little bit biased towards young players. It doesn't mean that I don't think that he has deficiencies. And I don't think he's even been that good in the games that he's played for Rangers recently. And um, the same issues that he often has were for me evident um, in, in a couple of most recent games. So at at times his touch isn't that great. Um, The first touch is a little bit loose away from his body um, and and that can really hinder him. Um, So I I would like him to get a lot more experience playing at right back and working on those technical things. Um, And then, yeah, in two or three three years' time, he will hopefully be one of the people that's competing um, with other options for right back slot. But I think he's miles away from being a possibility for Scotland right wing back at the moment. But yeah, I certainly hope he gets loads of minutes for Rangers um, over the remainder of the season. Um, the, the one person I would maybe actually want to try out would be Chris Cadden. Um, so I think given the system he plays in, we spoke earlier about people you know, feeling that um, maybe there'd be a benefit for people playing their club football for a system that's relatively similar to um, Scotland's. And I think the way that Hibs are operating at the moment with the wing-backs, with, with Cadden and the engine he's got, um, but also... For me, at least, a little bit more technical ability um, and a bit better on the ball in terms of his passing than, than Rooney. Um, he would maybe be the one that I would be looking at if I was going to bring somebody else in as a a right wing back option. Um, let, let's just glance through some chat things. We've got Andrew uh, saying that McTominay's distribution is something that's been key to our play recently. He zips it into feet and with one touch layoffs, we're getting down the flanks. Happened time and again. We'd need to replace not just the sharp. But make sure we don't lose something essential. I think that's a really good point, Andrew, in terms of our defensive setup and what you get from McTominay playing that right-sided uh, centre back for the distribution, um, and that kind of you know low ball into either one of the two behind Dykes or to Dykes himself, and then a kind of flick around for the wing back. That was a clear kind of of play that Scotland were trying to achieve and was really good. Um, and I think. You know, if we don't have him playing as centre back on the right hand side, then we do need to think about how we get those um, balls up into feet. Um, And, you know, then the kind of patterns of play that allow our wing backs to get down the right hand side, which is hopefully something, you know, it's a benefit from having Tierney on the left hand side as a centre back too, um, to replicate those. Um, And yeah, the other point is that Keyes. um, tactical analyst on, on Twitter, a Manchester United fan, thinks that McTominay is not good at showing for the ball in the build-up phase as a midfielder. And I, I think that's a fair criticism, really, on McTominay and it's maybe something for people who would want him to play in the midfield um, to consider. Um, I, I think that Keyes is... Certainly doesn't hold back <laughs> from how he feels about McTominay. Uh, I think it's quite harsh, but I don't think that some of it is untrue. Um, so, as much as McTominay might add, um, I don't know some some. Uh, um, I don't know how you'd phrase it: dynamism or kind of uh, mo- mobility in a way in midfield. You you would certainly give up a fair bit in terms of maybe build up on the ball and, and finding space and stuff like that, and maybe that's again. Um, we don't have that issue if we stick him as the right-sided centre-back. <laughs> um, so I guess let's that, that maybe handily brings us forward a wee bit, Gavin, to midfield and Clark's kind of system of generally the kind of double pivot of two number eights. Um, I guess there's a couple of question marks around that. Firstly, so we've got um, Grant uh, Jendo who's in the chat with us. Um, he made a, a really good question that I'll put to you, Gavin. Um, So he said that one thing he definitely wants to see discussed is the idea of playing John McGinn deeper in our current system as one of the eights, like he's doing at Aston Villa, albeit in his stroke their own weird way, as opposed to being freed up as a number 10. Um, And to kind of tie into that, maybe um, there's the fact of Ryan Jack's recent injury um, and his potential, I mean, he'll be back to be selected but you know, maybe the match fitness wouldn't be there. Um, and again, it maybe ties into where to use McTominay. Do you have a particularly strong case for the starting midfield too, and, and any people you do or don't want be selected? And how would you um, answer that question about McGinn and his position?
1: Yeah, I'll come to the, the McGinn question first. Uh, so I love John McGinn in the middle of the park. think he can contribute in all the phases that is asked of a box-to-box midfielder. I think he can uh, you know, press... Uh, Pressing the sort of front foot, so I think there's no uh, midfielder currently that has more pressures per ninety minutes uh, in the central midfield area than John McGinn. Um, So you know that energy pushing forward um, and really supporting the 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 forward players in our system uh, in terms of trying to turn the ball over is is really important. We know that he's got the engine to go for days, but there's also some really interesting stats that uh, I won't go into some of the specific numbers, but in terms of uh, touches in the box, passes to the penalty box, these sort of uh aggressive, progressive sort of stats. John McGinn is above the league average in the English Premier League for for both of these. He gets quite a lot of shots away as well for a central midfielder. So I think for us it could actually be quite a nice addition to pull him back into into one of the eights, especially in games where maybe we have a chance to be a bit more of the dominant team and you can have a uh you know a more aggressive player in the you know the supporting striker role. Uh, rather than John McGinn. And I think he is fine there. Um, but I think, you know, potentially in a game where we might have the opportunity to, to create better chances, I would like to see McGinn uh, pushed into the eight. Uh, so I'd like to hear what, what Grant's thought
0: is on, on that. Um, but yeah, a bet, I would... a, a bet that Grant, similar to me, is thinking back to the Belgian game um, about two and a half years ago when McGinn kind of gave away the ball in our own box, facing his own goal. And and maybe he and I both have fears of something like that repeating itself if he's part of a kind of double pivot. I, I do take what you were saying, Ian Jess, about um, against the teams that we would maybe want to, to beat, you know, um, although who is that? Is that just the Fair <laughs> Um But... Certainly. If we want to be more dominant and maybe having the security of having the back three behind us, um, maybe it means that I'd be more open to the idea of McGinn being part of the double pivot. But then I would be wanting to think about who is the other person next to him. Um McGinn has a a tendency or a desire to go where McGinn wants, which can be really good. Like you say, you know, that can lead to him getting the ball into the box, that can lead to him winning fouls high up the park and so on. But there might be a bit of a lack of positional discipline. Um, I don't think that he's necessarily the high-level passer that you'd want in the midfield um in pressure situations. So I'm I'm I don't know. I'm kind of into it, but I'm not. And I guess part of that is what you have to lose, um, both in terms of where you position him and and who that shifts out and so on. Um, but yeah. Um, so it's so game saying, specific. It's game specific.
1: Okay. It's not. It's not a permanent. It's uh, so, ones just where we have the opportunity to be the more dominant team. That I'm trusting John McGinn and the eight.
0: Okay, who's your midfield
1: two against Austria? Uh, I I think it's quite difficult to to answer because um, I, I don't know whether he's going to push uh, McTominay forward. Um I would I would agree that I think there was a comment that someone said that uh Ryan Jack is is really important for Scotland when he plays and I think he's he showed up pretty well. I think he fits into Steve Clark's system and whilst there is the the risk of maybe not quite having the match sharpness, I would trust uh Ryan Jack to be the sort of player that that could probably go through the pain barrier and could, you know, uh work through it. Um I would I would like to see him start um yeah, I, I'm not too sure, As I guess, is my answer on this one. I'll let Fair you leave the front on what you would okay. like a double pivot to be.
0: Sure. This would be a disastrous double pivot, right? So we a comment here. No disrespect to Scottish Scott. I mean, obviously, it's all just a game of opinions. But Stuart Armstrong and John McGinn as a double pivot would just be um, terrible. Uh, that That's that's not an effective central midfield in pair, in my view. Um, I'd be... Keen to see what other people say about that. But for me, um, I would just stick with Callum McGregor and Ryan Jack um, as a central midfield double pivot. And I think there's no doubt that Steve Clark will want to do that. I think they're quite complimentary. Um, I know that, obviously, I I think that neither of them perhaps get a fair assessment because of the clubs that they play for and the natural kind of uh, reflex that many of us... Have to dislike the other, way to support somebody else. I think that if um, they've worked really well, I think that they they're they're um, like I said, complementary in terms of their attributes, um, and I don't see any reason um, apart from Jack's um, fitness um, to potentially break that up. I, w- I would be interested in thinking about how you fit it all together. You know, I, I really like Armstrong, I really like McGinn, but I don't necessarily see them um, as part of a double pivot or at least if they were going to be, I'd need to be really sure about the other element of it. Um but yeah, oh I see a Scottish Scott is saying that um the, the the could be was meant as sarcasm. Fair <laughs> enough. Okay. Right. Um, if anybody else has thoughts on who should be in a double pivot, I would love to hear them. Um, do drop a, a kind of chat in there. But yeah, for, for me, um McGregor and Jack, in terms of the other midfielders, um so if we're maybe saying McGinn and Armstrong are going to be in the squad, uh, Gavin, would you still, I mean, would you want Fleck and McLean to be the other guys or are you going for a new central midfielder into the squad at all? Um, what What's your hopes there?
1: I think, uh, I think Kenny McLean, I'm saying that we don't need him in the squad anymore. Um, I think we know what we're going to get from Kenny McLean and he's been, you know, um, I think... In terms of his dressing room and uh, presence in off field and all that sort of stuff, I've heard a lot of positives about him, but I don't think that uh, as a player in this system he particularly fits. So I would um, be looking to move on from Kenny McLean and look to to try and um, give that spot to, to someone else. Um, we're not we're not blessed with, um, I guess, a dearth of options that I'd I'd really want to have in. That maybe you can say. Um, You could give that spot to Billy Gilmore to learn from, that sort of thing, uh, if it's there to just be in and around the squads. But I just don't see the value of of Kenny McLean. Um, John Fleck has... uh, I guess he's had an up-and-down season, but I guess that's Sheffield United in a sort of nutshell. Um, I do like John Fleck. I like his ability to sort of keep the ball ticking over. I like his skill set, and I think it would probably work quite well for... um, for Steve Clark, um, so I wouldn't I wouldn't be opposed to keeping Fleck in there. He's a bit younger than Kenny McLean as well, uh, and I can see Byron said that Kenny McLean for the penalties. Um, yeah, fair enough. We have to win one to get that. So, um, but yeah, I'm just I'm I think originally I was I think we spoke about this before, maybe like eighteen months ago on the pod where I was sort of advocating that we keep with Kenny McLean, but I've gone full circle and now uh, I'm I'm sort of saying that his times done with it
0: with the squad. Okay, Um, I mean, I understand why you're saying that, Gavin. And again, I wouldn't want the World Cup qualifiers to be seen purely as friendlies for the Euros, but this is partly what this is. I, I again, think there's a benefit to keeping a smaller squad together and, you know, keeping the people that have got us to the Euros together until we get there. Um, Particularly, you never know what will happen in terms of injuries and stuff. You know, what if, you know, two of the central midfielders you're pinning your hopes on, are unavailable. I, th- I think you need to keep people around, like McLean, who has played. He's played a huge amount of minutes for Norwich this season, and a season that's been very, very um, successful for them so far. So, I, I, again, I know I'm coming across as um, uh, not as excitable about the kind of um, speculative element of this as perhaps how I should be. But again, my general theme would be to rein it in a wee bit um, and perhaps stick with what we've got, uh, really. Um, and but let, and I
1: guess I, I was, I, I was going to quickly say that I guess in reality, I know that's what would happen. Um, and that's probably more likely to be the outcome that he is in the squad. Um, but just my, my sort of personal preference of, of what I would like to
0: see. Okay, cool. Um, and we can move forward now to the kind of forward uh, forwards uh, department of the team. We've got a question here from Reese Jenkins. With our lack of goal threats, I'm keen on Ryan Christie playing and doing his usual mad shooting from everywhere and hoping we get some luck with the old variants. Does he play attacking midfield or as one of the top two, though? And Jendo has said top two. Rhys, I, I mean, is it really a top two? I don't know. It, I, I would see it maybe as a two and a one or maybe a one and a two, but I guess that doesn't matter as long as we're clear about the definition there, we've got a few people mentioning Billy Gilmore um, so Scott has said Gilmore is so difficult for me, he's pushing three amazing midfielders at Chelsea but for me doesn't get in the squad currently, big fan of him um, WeJD has said Gilmore should have went out on loan not his fault he didn't, but seems like a wasted opportunity from Chelsea yeah, d- difficult situation for Gilmore I think there's a lot of elements to that Um, just in terms of timing, you know, with the manager changing and stuff. And, you know, who knows what was possible, what would have happened. But either way, it is what it is now. Um, And he's going to get extremely limited game time until the end of the season. That's just the way it is. So I don't think he's a realistic prospect for being in a Euro squad. He's certainly not um, in contention for this World Cup uh, squad. Um, And, yeah, Grant has said it's a kind of one-two out of possession but I agree that it doesn't matter. Uh, Players aren't positions, et cetera. They're not, but let's move on and talk about the people up top. So um, we had loads and loads of questions about our striking options, Um, but come on the rocks, who I think is still in the chat, said uh, posed this in a way which I quite liked. Um, We maybe can get everybody's thoughts about who you might have in or out of the squad um, in this area. But uh, come on the rocks has said... um, since the last squad, all of our attacking players have dropped off a cliff form-wise. Who's your front three stroke four to play against Austria, um, working on the basis that he plays three at the back and one or two deeper centre midfielders? So yeah, let, let's say Gavin Clark's five-two-two-one system or whatever we're calling it. Who would you sort of like um, against Austria as that sort of front three? And, and any thoughts as to who should be in the squad in terms of those roles and especially the centre-forward position?
1: Yeah, uh, so for my front three against Austria, and I've got a, a little bit of a reasoning behind it, um, so I would go uh, Lyndon Dykes to lead the line still. Uh, I know he's had the sort of up and down sort of season for Queen's Park. I think I think we said this before, it was never really a great fit from the starting point, moving Lyndon Dykes to a possession-heavy team or a team that wants to play in a possession-heavy way. Um, so not sure how much that's totally down to him, how much he's performed. But I think for Scotland, he does a really good job of leading the line. He wins the, you know, the flick-ons. He's a nuisance. Uh, Again, good in our box, good in the opposition box. So, Lyndon Dykes still leads the line for me. The two behind, uh, I'm sticking with Ryan Christie um, for the the pressure. Austria have got, you know, uh, are going to have a huge amount of turnover in terms of what their squad is going to look like. So, I want to be really aggressive uh, where I can be in the front. And I think Christie behind Lyndon Dykes is, is something that would work really well. Um, and this one's the one where I'm probably going to get slaughtered Um, I'm going to say Oli Burke for this game and the reason being again is that uh, with Austria having this amount of turnover in their squad I think they'll still want to play the way that they play with their their normal team they'll still try and come and attack us I don't think they'll sit in so actually having someone like Burke who can quickly break, uh, drive the ball forward get us into dangerous areas quickly could be really advantageous in this sort of game. Uh, again, it's very game-specific. I wouldn't say that he is a guaranteed, a guaranteed starter for us all the time, but just in this game, I, I quite like the idea of what he could bring to it. And again, I think, you know, from the front, if that front three or, you know, 2-1 one or 1-2, one, whatever you want to call it, um, I think that could be quite difficult to deal with in terms of the energy and the outputs that they all give you. Um, yes, there might be frustration with... Uh, you know, Christie shooting from everywhere and Ollie Burke getting into good positions um, and doing nothing once he's in the good position. Um, but yeah, I can see Andrew St. Gav picking the Ollie Burke signifies my official resignation from Pure, pure oh, we had a good run. I surprised myself. Um, I managed to talk myself into why this was a, a good idea. I think in my head it made perfect sense. Um, so I'm up for, for trusting Ollie Burke and that's again, very game Game specific scenario uh,
0: based around what's likely to be in front of us. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, Andrew has said uh, Gav picking Ollie Burke signifies my official resignation from Pure Football. We had a good run. Um, I'm hanging on for a redundancy payment, or if it gets to the worst, constructive dismissal, right? Can't just resign. (laughs) (laughs) But um, yeah, I don't know. I guess there's a couple of things I wanted to kind of focus in on in terms of upfront. So, first of all, I kind of agree with your shout about Lyndon Dykes. I think the key thing for me here is to think about the system that Scotland will be playing with um, and the fact that you do still need the players to fit the system, regardless of whether those people are scoring goals at the moment or not. It doesn't necessarily work. You know, people like Dykes' role in the Scotland team is. One of limited expectation that you'll get loads of goals. You know his function is to kind of play other people in and, and you'll be a nuisance and you know link up and stuff, and he's done that really well. And um, I, I, similarly, I'm going to open myself up to some Sheffield United based flack and say that for that reason, I would still have Ollie McBurney in the squad uh, despite his lack of goals because I think you want you want analogs, right? You want people that can do the same functions that the other person you've got as a starter um, would do. So I'd still have McBurney in there, but Dykes would be my starting uh, centre forward. And again, um, I appreciate that Ryan Christie has maybe seemed off the boil for Celtic, um, but I think that everybody's been off the boil for Celtic. There's been a lot of systemic things around that. And I think that I've just really, really liked what Christie and Fraser have done off takes, um for Scotland. I think that they've been really effective. It's been really refreshing to see the kind of approach that Clark has taken with them. So I'm, I'm still kind of putting my money um, on those three, despite maybe their lack of um, club appearances or club goals and things like that. And I guess that's the other thing that I would want to come on to here, Gavin. We can have maybe a general chat, maybe people in the chat comments will join in on this. Um, I think I remember you and I maybe being in the pub and having an argument, or at least probably it was me that was arguing <laughs> about this some time ago. Uh, the existence I think we were talking about the existence of momentum in football, yeah. um, but we can talk about the existence of form here and what that means. So lots of people in the chat and lots of people that have us up with comments are saying, well, the followers aren't in form. And I guess what I would ask everybody is, what does that mean? Um, to not be informed, form. Um, if, for example, what that means is that, you know, we just think that people are in form when their team's winning games and out of it when they're not winning, or, you know, I would say surely in a team game that's a bit daft. Um, and, you know, maybe, maybe sure being in form is performing above expectation, but again, how does the team that you're playing for play into that? Do we run the risk of then picking people on, I don't know, pretty unrepeatable things that aren't a predictor of future performance like centre-back scoring from a corner or do we then ignore um, you know, the attacking midfielder that carves out chances for people that they don't tuck away? I'm just a wee bit cautious about deciding from the outside of things as to whether somebody not scoring means that they're not in form and, and what that means um, any thoughts on that Gavin around in the chat am I talking absolute shite and, and form is the be all and end all and you build up confidence and you only do that through scoring goals or what, what's your what's your thinking uh, There's I guess there's an element of truth
1: to what you're saying as well I guess that's why we have advanced metrics in terms of measuring how a, a player is or what their outputs are to, to justify whether they're doing something good or not if that's how people are viewing form if you want to go into sort of next level i don't think it's, it's as um, binary as they're scoring goals or they're not uh, i think you can you can contribute to a team in you know more ways than just that so um i do understand that i think there's there is an element of uh i guess you can see when a player has
0: their self-belief and, and motivation is maybe impacted can you um, Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna contest that. Um I think that's a little bit too reading into body language. I think you'd need to be uh quite intimate with the person to be able to say that they were. Well not surely confident. if surely if
1: you know managers saying player has lost confidence, that's an element of justification to that. And I don't mean any specific
0: I mean, scholar, but if someone says that, then they know the, the individual, right? Well, I wouldn't necessarily believe what a manager says. I would, there's always an agenda to what people decide to say. You might be saying somebody's out of confidence, but really you might just be saying, uh, well, you might be wrong, or you might be saying it to try and give them a kick up the arse because you just, you know, maybe they're annoyed with you. It's not a lack of confidence, but they think you're a dick. I don't know. Um, You know, I I just kind of, I'm a wee bit sceptical about these words, but I I do accept we need some way to assess who we get in and who we don't, which is fine. But I would say just, I, I would that the people are making decisions are watching the players and not just going off the basis of somebody uh, not scoring or scoring uh, and actually I want to, to give a quick shout out to uh,
1: so Chris uh, renewed his Amazon Prime subscription to
0: uh, ourselves which you can also do to not to cut across you Gavin but this is a, a good point I think from WeJD that it doesn't seem to have been brought up yet is this Lauren Shanklin's time to try and get a starting spot on the team and um, a couple of things about that. So in terms of a starting spot, I don't know, because I think that Clark will still want that kind of system um, where you know, it's Dykes or or somebody like him, McBurney up top. But I certainly think that Shanklin's probably in the driving seat to be the alternative type of number nine. Um, I've been really impressed by him over the last few weeks, and he has hit form, I guess we would say, with what kind of yeah. three goals in his last five games, something like that. Um, but also, even more so, Shanklin's about to hit more form. I'll predict this because Dundee United are going to be in the bottom six um, and therefore he's going to be playing easier teams and he's going to get a run of games and goals. So um, it's going to look like he's in form going into the Euros. So good for him. Um, But yes, I've been impressed by him. and I I hope that uh, he gets in this board and and gets some game time. Um, What about some of the other comments here? Um, It's like the right wing back position. It's a wee bit grim and basically throwing... Many options out there, and hope one sticks. Yeah, I mean, that's a fair comment, but I don't, I don't think that we have bad options. I think, particularly given the fact that Clark has found a system that works for us and people that fit the system, I think there's a lot to be encouraged by there. Um, and Reese has mentioned that McBurney is in the 99th percentile for aerials one, but the 6th percentile for non-penalty expected goals. Yeah, that tells you a little bit of a story about him. But, um, look, that's what we need for him at uh, Scotland, right? Win those headers, get them knocked off to Christie to hit those 35-yarders into goal that you wanted, Reece. Um And we've got Come On The Rock saying, I think after the positivity of the end of last year with players doing all right, Fraser, Fleck, et cetera, we have a lot of players now playing in sides that aren't winning football games. A lot of that comes down to Celtic, um, as Rangers are a less domestically inclined team. Not that Celtic are hugely. The confidence with winning is an attributable benefit, in my view, taken from coaching another sport. Picking a squad full of players from teams that are losing makes things more difficult. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. Come on, the rocks, that you would imagine that winning games will probably help you, um, help people generally be in a mind frame that contributes to them being more successful. But I don't think it necessarily means that somebody can't be who's in a side that isn't winning and you know you, you do need to kind of think about the individual and there might be some individuals you know who are incredibly resilient or maybe will take things from the fact that their club team is not doing particularly well and they get the opportunity to come play for um, the national team and maybe in a system that suits them with the manager that maybe understands them so uh, you know I think there's a lot to it um, just a couple other things so Andrew said, uh, form is really hard, like I said on Twitter. Yeah, Andrew and I had a wee bit of a conversation about this via Twitter. Um, is what the player trying on the pitch in their accepted position coming off for them more often than not across a sustained period of time? Yeah, I, I think that's fair, Andrew. Absolutely good assessment there. But that would, I guess, be back to you'd be watching them to understand that, not just clocking how many goals somebody has got in a period of time. Um, so, you know, it's... Um, it's, it's all kind of quite nuanced. And Byron said I'd have Shankland over Griffiths. Me too, absolutely. Um, I would probably even at this point, I was thinking I would quite like up front to have two of each type of, excuse me, I'll try it again, two of both of the types of centre forward. So I would maybe have Dykes and McBurney and Shankland and Nisbet. That would be my kind of ideal. But this is me talking things up when I thought there might be a 30 man squad. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> um and Andrew said, is there space for both of Shanklin and Miz, but yeah, I think that comes down to how many people are named in the squad. Um hearing rumors that it might just be a 27-man squad. Um, whereas I thought it might be 30 for the triple header. Um and Andrew is saying you're remarkably calm regarding the internet. I'd have raged out. I don't know It just means that Gavin has to talk more, so I'm, I'm pretty happy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Kyle has said Dundee United have started trying to attack um, over the last six weeks or so, which certainly helps. And that's a good point. That goes back to my point about form, right? So maybe Shanklin is helped by his team actually being a bit more capable now, and therefore his, his form... Looks better, um, you know. Maybe there was other people where, if they played for a different team in a slightly different system, we'd be thinking they were informed. You know, um, Byron, you you get anything you want? Uh, sorry, Gavin, you get anything you oh. want to say? I was just seeing Byron's comment there about uh, Nisbet, but yeah, go on, Gavin.
1: Yeah, I was just going to agree with the comments of Nisbet over Griffiths. I think that that makes sense to me. Um, I think uh, Byron and I were speaking a little bit earlier and. I just don't think Lee Griffiths brings enough to the squad overall. Yes, you know, you've got, you know, free kicks that he scored against England and set pieces and stuff, but we also have other players in the team that can take set pieces. I don't think he's playing enough regular minutes to be trusted in very important games. I think I would be more inclined to move on from Lee Griffiths now and bring in someone like Kevin Nisbet and, and see what they potentially have.
0: Yeah, I'd, I'd kind of agree with that. Um, I, I think there is a there's a benefit, particularly for a team like Scotland, that maybe doesn't create a lot from open play, and also thinking about how tight things might be at tournaments, particularly when the third place in the Euros group will get you through, to having people who are good at delivering you know, set pieces and things like that. But um, I do think I would want people to be playing, and I'm not sure how well Griffiths fits into the system. Even if, you know, we're looking at Shanklin and Nisbet and that kind of alternative type of nine, I think even then they would be maybe more the more mobile, um, able to link up type of player that Clark might want a little bit more well-rounded. Um, Gwanza Boys asked, when's the squad due to be announced? Um, tomorrow is really all that we know. But as Kyle says, usually tends to be around 12 to too. um, and Grant has said, "Did we discuss Turnbull or did I miss it?" No, good question. I was going to bring us back to that just now, um, and I guess that brings us back to why don't we talk about Gold and Turnbull and those kind of um, people that might or might not make it, Gavin? What's your thoughts? I would
1: have both if we could. Um, I think I said said in our group chat earlier. I would be uh, again. I I guess I I'm an advocate of you know bringing in these sort of players and probably more. Um, not open, but more more inclined to say yeah. Let's bring them in. Um, maybe a bit of the fuck it mentality. Um, which probably isn't a great way to approach really important games. But uh, I would be looking to get someone like Callum Patterson out of the squad. I, I don't think that he's good enough uh, as any of the positions uh, for us. I don't think he's particularly effective. So he's kind of classed as a. An advanced player for us so i'd be inclined to give that spot to turnbull or gold i already said earlier in the show that uh i'm probably looking to move on from kenny mclean as well mclean who's predominantly an eight or a ten uh for norwich that's kind of what Turnbull does eight or a ten um but yeah they would both be in the squad if we could find a way it's just a case of how do you move the rest of the elements of the squad about and um and i get the the pragmatic answer of you want to keep it tight, you know, the, the Euros coming, uh, and all these things, totally understand that. Um, but it's not like players are going to be losing the ability to, to play football because Callum Patterson isn't in the squad, or the squad's gonna be a mess because Callum Patterson isn't there. Um, these are professional footballers playing at an extremely high level. So if we need to sacrifice someone because you know they're you know, sacrifice the banter um, and the bottles of MD. Um, then I think I'm all for that, to
0: be perfectly honest. Cool, cool. Um, I'd agree with you, Turnbull and Gold for me. Um, Like I said, I drew out a kind of 30-man squad today. Uh, I'll post it on Twitter tomorrow. I'm not too sure it's actually going to be a 30-man squad when it gets announced, so maybe I'll try and whittle it down to 27 and do an alternative as well. But the same way I had like the four uh, players up front, I did four for the kind of positions just behind them and I had Turnbull, Gold, Christie and Fraser um, for there and yeah for, for this section of the team at least I'm on board with your fuck it mentality which I believe <laughs> is going to be the new uh, Project Brave uh, <laughs> document <laughs> the title of whatever their DNA is um, but yeah I'm, I'm, I'm definitely I'm of the opinion that for those positions You would want people in who are game changers, who can deliver something different. Um, And I wouldn't, obviously, we know, I'm, I'm inclined not to use as nebulous a term as form, but I'd certainly want people that are playing. Like, for instance, I wouldn't want to give a position to James Forrest, who's only just back from injury. And we, you know, as a 30 year old winger, we don't know what his attributes are going to be like at this point so yeah for for me Turnbull and Gold, um would be in amongst that four and I see we've got a few kind of um comments along those lines so let's kind of dig through those um so Grant has said Turnbull not as nailed on as many seem to think he should be um but a good player yeah definitely not I mean it's, it's been a pity for Turnbull I think with injury that you know year out really set his trajectory back in terms of his pathway for Scotland. You know, it meant that he wasn't a lock to be a starter for the Scotland under-21s, even though he should have been at certain points. Um, And I think then that just kind of, um, if Scotland are maybe trying to demonstrate pathways for people and stuff like that, it maybe just causes that lack of um, kind of clear progression. Um, and, And, you know, I don't think he's been sensational for Celtic but we have to accept it's been a dysfunctional Celtic team and and he has done really well given that and he he does give that set piece um ability that we spoke about earlier so I'm encouraged um and I think that it would be the right thing for him to be in the squad um Scott Scott has said gold fits in the team and is a better player than Turnbull um potentially right on both of those things but why not have them both in there um and then you know they can both uh, grow um granted said gold has the edge quality wise but maybe travel restriction will favor turbo. um yeah it's a good point we don't really know exactly at this moment in time whether or not it's definitely possible even for gold to be involved Um, But I think we're going on a basis here that everybody's allowed to, apart from Austrians and Germany. Right. So um, let's go for it. Um, And, yeah, some people agreeing with you that both is the right answer. Some other people saying Turnbull over Christie. um, And, yeah, we've got. um, Where else? Having some sort of argument about uh, Tierney and Robertson. I, I didn't see who you had that argument with. Um, but anyway, right, they're they're both fine um, and yeah, let, let's actually if Byron's in the chat, give us your opinion about who's actually the best left back in the league <laughs> that'd be interesting to have um, the other question that we got as well I guess this is quite a good one, maybe for the chat as well, from Chris Sampson of Pure Football Gavin, should it even be going ahead international football, international break right now? Yes, is my answer
1: if uh, okay. it's Classed as elite sport and we're we accepting that this is fine and we're saying that people are following all the the relevant protocols. I don't see why it's any different to a Champions League game or a Europa League game. Um I understand that there's probably a little bit more travel, um, but I don't see why not. If again, if if you're following all the right um protocols, I I don't have an issue with with it going ahead, and also the issue of if you don't play these games now, where do you play them? How does it affect the rest of the calendars? Um, I don't think it's as easy as just being like no, because um, you know these are it's not friendlies, it's not you know it's it's actual important games. So I think you you have to to fit these games in, or otherwise all you're doing is just delaying a problem.
0: Yeah, fair enough, I guess. But I mean, you you could you could. You could, in practical terms, delay it, right, and and just shift the qualifiers to another point. I guess the thing I was thinking about when you were saying that there was if the starting point of your argument is it should go ahead because things like Europa League and Champions League is going ahead, what if I said none of it should be? What do you think about that?
1: Well, I get. I guess that's... <sighs> I guess that's different, and uh, if you're saying that none of it should be going ahead, then... I'm not,
0: I'm just, uh,
1: just putting an idea butt. out
0: there. Yeah, um, um, but let's say we don't want that to happen, right? Let's say we want all the football. Um, I guess the key thing we would say here is, do, do we do we think that it's handled safely? Um, I, I guess that's the key thing as a test for Scotland right now because Austrians have already indicated, uh, or at least the, the Germans have um, and, and that's had an impact on them. Remember Scotland under twenty one had an incident with people coming back, um, having uh to then go and self isolate. So that'd be another consideration here to think about what's the knock on risk for the clubs and their players, for the the ancillary staff as well who, you know, have to go to these things. And so on so it be interesting. Just, uh, I think, one to keep an eye on. But anyway, um, Grant has made the fair point that people will complain about um, international football being too much, but they'll sit watching the Carabao Cup and Dead Rubber Champions League games. Like get to, I saw people watching the Papa John's uh, final yesterday, whatever that is. So, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, and uh, we've got Come On The Rock saying we should null and void the SPFL Relegation this season would be unfair. Also, keeping Falkirk in League One would be banter. Yeah, um, Gavin and I are quite looking forward to the return of uh, the lower leagues, which I guess we'll be talking about on next week's podcast. But I did see that this week uh, or today, rather, the SPFL have sent out you know kind of voting forms for how that should all happen. So it'll be an interesting one to keep an eye on. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure if we would want to push the argument that due to us uh, being unsure about having international football, we should just end. The season for the SPFL at all, um, and yeah, Reese is saying lots of English people who don't care about their national team are saying not let's not play it, but he wouldn't say the same for their club team. Yeah, it's all personal uh, self-interest, right? And, you know, none of it is about players or people's safety. It's just about they'd rather uh, just make sure that their team uh, isn't affected. Absolutely. I just wanted
1: to quickly bring up one comment. On sorry that uh, I think we missed. I think it deserves just a, a little bit of a shout out. Um, and that's the Gordon from the, the tartan scarf. If you need a, a a Scotland hype train that never stops, then Gordon and the tartan scarf are, are the places that you need to follow. Um, so Gordon has said it feels like the night before Christmas. After months of hype, this is where shit gets real. Can't get anyone, un, can't see anyone uncapped going into Euros who aren't in the squad tomorrow. And I, I probably agree that unless something disastrous happens, that people that are called unless they're called up tomorrow. They're not in the squad for the Euros. Um, But, yeah, I just thought I'd give Gordon a quick shout-out. Good guy who really covers the, you know, the Scotland national team next level in terms of uh, never sleeps with it. So, uh,
0: (laughs) yeah, sorry, where were you going there, Owen? No, no, good to see Gordon. And, uh, yeah, if, if this is the night before Christmas... How on earth are you gonna feel the night before Scotland play England at the Euros, Gordon? You're gonna have to invent some new uh celebration to mark that. <laughs> um uh, yeah, Gordon has said uh, the height train that doesn't stop absolutely. Um anything else you want to add on, Gavin, or does anybody in the chat we can do, you know, kind of any random questions and wants to just fire in a about the team or suggestions or if you want to say what your first 11 would be for the Austria game go for it Emily like that's fair game uh, but anything you want to add on at this point Gavin uh oh there we've got a question for come on the rocks who said who are the panel taking
1: as a cult squad pick oh, oh yeah that's a good question anyone in the chat as well let us know uh, who your cult squad pick is I wonder if come on the rocks is leaning towards Bobby Lin. <laughs> um, so, for anyone that's been with us on the Pure Goals show, I think uh, there's been a sort of running theme about the Bobby Lin Venn diagram, and uh, yeah, I think Bobby Lin would be the the cult pick for for me. From his, I guess the just from sheer volume of mentions of Bobby Lin on on Pure Goals, uh, can see there that Ru has agreed with with Bobby Lin. Samo has said. Come dog. Um it would certainly be banter if Jason Cummins was at the Euros. Uh Reese has said Liam Lindsay is his cult
0: pick. Is there anyone for you, Owen? Uh does Sander Clark looking as though he's just escaped from a cult with that beard um count, or, <laughs> Um no, I, I like the I like the shouts. Um Liam Lindsay is a good cult pick, um, given Reese is obviously a thistle fan. WeJD, Stephen Welsh. Not sure if you're meaning that as a cult pick or whether you're just pointing to the the tweet that wound me up um, this week. Uh, but yeah, any thoughts from NMD about Stephen Welsh being in the squad? You're welcome to direct them elsewhere. I, I don't think he's really a candidate at this point, unless Gavin strongly disagrees with me. No, uh, I don't disagree with that one. OK, we've we've had some people saying that he is the second best centre-back in the league, and um, that's due to his pass accuracy, which is an international um, football requirement, allegedly. <laughs> um, and Come On The Rocks is saying Gary Harkins or Rory McAllister as cult picks. And um, Gordon Sheik has said that Pepe Reina seemed to be Spain's banter pick, always playing DJ. We need a banter third goalkeeper. Who would be the banter third goalkeeper? Is there one that strikes you? Well, I guess Sander Clark maybe is the banter goalkeeper. Is there somebody in the squad? that you think's the DJ? Um, don't know. Maybe that's one to comes back to who's responsible for the tunes. Um, and yeah, Reese says, "Can we talk about Che Adams?" Yeah, t- tell us about Che Adams, Reese. Um, your thoughts on him? You've probably watched him a wee bit more than I have recently. Um, I think I, I'm a wee bit sceptical about reaching out in desperation to centre forwards very shortly before a tournament in the hope that they'll say yes to it. it feels a little bit like, um, you know, some sort of blind date, setting yourself up for rejection. And I don't think Clark strikes me as the sort of guy that's uh, into that. I, I think, again, that he'll try and keep the pool tight. I don't think that means that he's not sounded out people, but I just think that his focus will probably be on, um, you know, that more tight-knit kind of feel. But t- tell us why. T- what I'd be interested, I guess, in thinking about Reese was how would Che Adams fit into this style, into this system? What, what's your thoughts on that? Um, and let's see. Yeah, Byron suggested Bobby Allen. he can make baguettes for the boys. We're we suggesting he can make baguettes just because he's got a French uh, connection. Okay. <laughs> I thought I would just quickly bring up Che uh,
1: Adams' Uh, market profile so we can have a quick view of what he's doing well. Again, this is I can't say I've watched a whole lot of them in terms of regular 90 minutes. Uh, definitely don't want to get into discussions about his form um, but there's quite a lot of positives to take from at least the, the data side of it. Uh, Pretty good XG shots, so he's taking shots from, from good locations, getting a lot of them on target. Lots of uh, expected assists, at least for a centre-forward profile um evolved in goal build up good passing range let us know if that's something that you're seeing uh Reese when you're watching them and the, the defensive outputs look fairly fairly good as well i guess um so yeah let us know what what you think of that uh Reese if you would have him in the in the squad if you could um but i probably agree with you on that i'm probably not desperately reaching out to him uh from what i understand he's been uh, asked before
0: and rejected it so uh not sure how much it's gonna Happened. That was when he was very young, though, and probably still thought he had a chance of making an England squad, right? So, you know, things can change. Um, Grant has said that he's a mobile target man style striker. That'd be an upgrade on our current options. Sounds promising, but again, I'm a wee bit skeptical and a little bit kind of um, happy, probably, to stick with the options that we have. And I guess maybe if Reese or Grant that's watched them a wee bit, Tell us what you're thinking is in relation to the stats that Gavin presented. For example, like the the XG per shot that you mentioned, Gavin, I'm always a wee bit skeptical um, about that when it's somebody that hasn't had that many shots. So I was seeing that he's what he's played like 900 minutes or something, and he's got like less than two shots a match. So th- that, you know, he, he might just have had a couple of very, very, very close in chances, and that then boosts, boosts your XG per shot. So I, I don't know, because that's like Cavani kind of levels that you know for PSG. I'm, I'm not a bit sceptical about whether he's repeatedly getting shots of that high in XG. But anyway, one, one to look at maybe in terms of what recent and Grant say about his actual play. Uh, Byron said that he's undoubtedly good, but if he doesn't want to play for us, then I don't really want him playing for us. Yeah, I'd agree with that, actually, basically. There's only so much you can do in terms of sounding out people and um, you know sticking with the people that you do have. Um, and Kamana who said, is it beyond the realms of reason to call up Halkett? I've no idea what his form is like, but hearts don't seem to concede many. Um, that's a no for me. Um, watched Halkett quite a lot last season. And I think that, yes, it was a big change for him to move from Livingston's back three to Stendhal's Back four, um, both in terms of obviously back three to back two pairing and then playing in a high line and so on. But he, he's got some issues in terms of positional awareness, you know, holding the defensive line, being aware of space and runners around him. And you know, I don't think he's playing at a level just now that would. I mean, particularly given I'm quite happy with some of the other options at centre back um, that I would put him up there. Um, but in terms of his form, yeah, of course, if he heads one in against our both. Um, this weekend and I guess that means that he's in form right so maybe I would change my view um, any other comments that you want to, to go to Gavin?
1: Yeah there was uh, I think um there's a comment, I just want to quickly scroll back up sorry two seconds uh, I guess uh, so it came from Laura l 90. so thoughts on Nathan Patterson. Lads, is it too soon for him? He's given a good account of himself versus good players in the Europa League. Yeah, we, we did sort of cover this earlier that it's maybe a little bit too early in terms of uh, just some of his performances probably needs to still develop quite a bit. Kids only played, what, five or six senior games. I think we have been um, desperate for talent uh, and or next level talent that I think we want to believe that any young kid can, you know, Follow that superstar journey. Uh, we we do it with Billy Gilmore regularly. Um, so yeah, I I understand. I want to get him in, but yeah, it's it's just not quite the right time for me. And I think there are there are good enough options at the sort of right wing back role uh, ahead of Patterson for me just now. At least I'd like to see him with the twenty ones. Uh, we JD says, does John Guthrie have a, a Scottish granny? He'll solve any goal scoring issues. Uh, don't know the question to that one. Don't know the answer. Sorry. Um, let's say say he was um, I still don't know if I would take him actually if I'm thinking about it Um, even if he did have a Scottish granny but uh, yeah anything else for you Owen before we sort of wrap up?
0: Um, Just to say that Harrison Ashby is better than Nathan Patterson, Um, I'll just put that out there Um, we can come back to that in five or six years and see how that's gone Um, but no, that's kind of everything for me so I guess we could leave it there Um, It was really good of everybody to join us. Um, Loads of you in the chat, very active. I guess that shows the benefit to us of, I think, the last three podcasts, including this one, we'd have a focus on Celtic, then a focus on Rangers and a focus on Scotland. So, um, yeah, we'll need to get back to the lower leagues next week, having to even things out a wee bit, but we do appreciate everybody um, joining us for things like this. It's really good. Um, I've loved the questions, um, and I hope that we're all feeling as excited Um, as each other about the announcement tomorrow and and looking forward to the the matches towards the end of the month. Um, Kyle, um, yeah, Harrison is still injured, um, but hopefully we'll come back strong. He's a very promising right back. Um, But yeah, I think we'll leave it there, Gavin. Unless there's anything else you want to say?
1: I was just going to say, for anyone that's on us on Twitch, I mentioned it earlier when Owen was off, but if you do have Amazon Prime, you can subscribe to us for free. Uh, Really helps uh, us grow the channel. Uh, and it's really appreciated you just have to link your two accounts um but it's been a, an amazing chat and it's really nice to see the community aspect of this or so the the live streams and you know I, I hope that you can all join us at the weekend for pure goals there'll be the usual podcasts out throughout the week from the pure championship guys etc so keep your eyes peeled and we'll be back soon